0: Well, there's no telling exactly how confused I may get today, having two services with two separate messages, because I'm not bringing you the same message that I brought out at the cross, although I think they relate. I think they, they kind of begin at the same place. We've been in a series, this is the seventh week of Crucified Glorified. And we've been traveling through the book of Mark, looking at Mark's expression, his thoughts on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to end it today. Trust me, there's so much in the book of Mark, we will be back in Mark, possibly even next week. But this is where it ends, this series in Mark 16, and yes, I did talk about this up at the cross because it is so profound. If you'll turn in your Bibles, or you'll see it on the screen, Mark 16, verse one. This one may be interesting enough that by the time I finish in verse eight, you may be opening your Bibles and looking to see if I'm telling you the truth. 16, verse 1 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. This is something very customary for the Jewish people. This would have normally been done the day he was taken off the cross, but it was the Sabbath day. So here they are heading out early on Sunday morning, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone? Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? I think this is a fair question. These ladies were trekking our way back to the tomb. And the reality of the situation came like, who's going to open it up? We going to get a Roman guard or something? They're not going to do that. They sealed it. How are we going to open this tomb? You know, in a way, I kind of see it as an indictment on the men. Where's Peter? And his sword. I got you, Jesus. And yet he was one of the biggest disappointments for Jesus. But Jesus wasn't really disappointed. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. What about Nathanael? What about, you know, what about John? The one Jesus loved the most. Where were they at? Why couldn't they have come and helped these ladies open the tomb? just an interesting it's just a thought of my own where were they they were hiding they were hiding verse 4 says but they looked up they saw the stone which was very large had been rolled away as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed verse 6 he says Don't freak out. He that you're looking for, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? I love verse 7. But go tell the disciples and Janice and Tim How about my name and George? I'm one of the biggest disappointers of Jesus. And it's so awesome to see here, even the angel of the Lord says, hey, go tell the one that was so disappointing to Jesus, that I love him. Go tell him too, that Jesus is risen. It's so important that we see that. We are so unworthy of the cross, every one of us. And I'm sitting in front of a lot of good people, probably better than me. I sit in front of all these precious people that I know God loves so much, but he died on that cross for you, and that's your name there too. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Guys, don't you remember what he told you? He told you he was going to be crucified. He told you he was going to die. He told you in three days he was going to rise again and he would meet you in Galilee. So the angel was reminding them. Verse 8. And this is the last verse of Mark's writing. This is the last verse. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And it ends. You might say, well, Pastor, my Bible doesn't end there. The title of today's message is It Can't End This Way. It can't end this way. I like to use a movie reference here. Anybody here, how many, how many of you have seen the movie Rudy? Yeah, more of you. Those of you who haven't, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, maybe I should just put it on. It's a fabulous movie. A movie of triumph over defeat. It's a movie that helped me as a, you know, I'm not a parenting expert, but at some point in your life, you see your children growing, and at certain things, it's appropriate to show them. and have that conversation. And this one, I, it came out when my youngest son was just beginning to play football. And I couldn't wait to show him the movie Rudy because my son kind of had a situation with the gene pool. <laughs> he wasn't very big. He was a little short guy like me, but he wanted to play football. And I said, son, you need to see this movie Rudy and we watched it together and he was so impressed you know Rudy tried and he tried and he and he failed and they they wouldn't let him on the team they wouldn't let him on the team it's it's kind of a long movie kind of boring in a way you know but if you wait to the end if you wait to the end if you're a sensitive guy and you don't want anybody to see just how sensitive you really are um, you have a soul and it's okay, it'll make you cry. The last five minutes will make you cry. When they finally let Rudy come in and they play that, that game, you know, that last, last game, last play of the game, they let him in. And, and they've already won, they've already won. It doesn't matter, they just let Rudy in because everybody is chanting, Rudy, Rudy. They finally let Rudy run onto the field and he tackles the guy with the ball and the movie's over and they carry him out on his shoulders. What a fabulous ending. So with that being said, I kind of see why these scribes and theologians were thinking, Mark just can't end this way. They were afraid, and they didn't tell anybody anything because of their fear. And it bothered them for so long that they began to write alternate endings, Now, if your Bible, if you'll look, mine goes 9 through 20. 9 through 20. Those last verses were not wrote by Mark. It ended at verse 8, and I got to believe. Now, it's okay. It's okay. The original ending of Mark was viewed by Christians, Catholic, and Jews as so deficient that not only was Mark placed second behind Matthew, even though Mark was the first gospel wrote in the New Testament, but various endings were added by editors, copyists, and scribes to try to remedy this unfortunate problem. Manuscripts were added. The longest ending, which is in my Bible, became Mark 16, 9 through 20 became so treasured that it was included in the King James Version of the Bible, favored for the past 500 years by Protestants, as well as translations in Latin Vulgate used by Catholics. This meant for countless millions of Christians, it became sacred scripture, but it is patently bogus. Now, What are you saying pastor am i not supposed to read it no i'm not saying at all go ahead and read it there's nothing wrong or irreverent in those 10 verses it's absolutely fine so what am i supposed to do with that do i read it do i ignore it do i believe it and the answer is yes but i trust god and his word but because of what i know i believe mark intended it to end here in verse 8 i believe that that's what god intended And we've been studying this book of Mark for the past few weeks now, and we've seen how different his storytelling has been. How it's been fast-paced, it's been immediate, it's been deliberate, without a lot of detail. Mark shows us that faith is a verb. Faith is a verb. It's action. It's moving. It's not just explaining or displaying It's not just explaining, but it's also displaying. Through his writing, we have seen a different side of Jesus, one who is aggressive to the point with those who believe and also with those who didn't believe in him at all. So this is what I come up with. Faith is a substance of things that are unseen. Faith becomes hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God we walk by faith not by sight sometimes we must apply faith to the word when we're reading it and ask god to help us to understand this word now these ladies these three ladies that were going to anoint jesus's body they were on a mission they had a reason to go do what they were about to do they wanted to anoint the body for burial because they couldn't do it on the Sabbath. This is kind of an indictment on the men who were hiding. Peter here was going to preach in the next 50 days, and yet at this point, Peter had given up. He had denied Christ three times. He was done. He was ready to go back fishing. He he was walking away. This is way more than I ever intended it to be. I understand that. If we're honest, because we're human beings, we can say, we can relate, we can understand. But right now, he's not in the game. He's broken, both brokenhearted and broken in spirit. He's had enough. Do you realize the bigger the faith, the bigger the disappointment when things don't go the way you think they should? It happens to all of us. The bigger the faith, potentially the bigger the disappointment. When Peter stood there in the shadow of the cross, shocked, disappointed, and broken that his Savior had been crucified, we pick on Peter because he seemed to be the leader of this bunch. But where was everybody else? There's another sermon series I wished I could have done just for Easter, and it's, you know, who was at the cross? There's just a few there. Mary, his mother. Can you imagine a mother standing there in silence? There's not a recorded word that she ever said at the cross. Standing there in silence, watching her son. Can any of us as parents even get our head around that? There was Mary Magdalene and then there was John. John, John's the one that gave himself his own nickname. You guys remember what John's nickname is? Yeah, the one who Jesus loved the most. Jesus loves me the most and he was proud of it. Tim has a t-shirt that says God loves me most. You still got that t-shirt? No? You should have gave it to me, man. That's a cool t-shirt. This was a very difficult time. And we have to learn and figure out why. Surprise! Church started early today. We forgot to tell you. (laughs) Sorry, Bonnie. We love you. So here these ladies are, the men, hiding, realizing that they were, how are they going to do this? We can't. Isn't it just like us? When we're walking our Christian life and we come into problems, whether they be medical, whether they be marital, relational, we come into serious issues. A loved one incarcerated, a loved one sick in the hospital, a loved one dies. And we're walking this Christian faith, and we're trying to figure out how we do it. This is exactly where these ladies were. They were saying, how are we going to roll that stone away? We're trying, we're, we're hoping, we're hoping here. We're trying to do something that we can't do. And isn't that where we are when we're faced with life's difficulties, life's tragedies, we're walking in our Christian life and we're saying, God, how, how are we going to do this? How, 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 how am I going to accomplish this? How can I hold this marriage together when he's already made his mind up to go? How am I going to carry on with two kids after he's gone? I mean, we have these questions how? And this is where these ladies were, and I'm trying to put you right there where they were at so you understand what a miracle this is. They're walking to the tomb. They realize they can't do this. Let me read you another account of the very same moment. It's in Matthew. Matthew 28, verses 2 and 3. This is, wow, these ladies... We were walking to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. Can't you see it? You have a problem. And you're walking in your life trying to deal with this problem and God's already got the answer and He's sending it ahead of you and He's going to open the door for you so you can enter the tomb and you can see that He is risen. You can see that your problem is well controllable with Him in your life. I'm not saying, man, there's not going to be any pain. Life hurts. It hurts. Relationship. It hurts. It hurts bad. But with Jesus Christ in our life, knowing that he's going to go ahead of us, he's going to give us the answer, he's going to open it up. While they were discussing how they were going to do it, the angel came. Your angel is on the way. While you are worrying, your angel's on the way. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not on the way. Doesn't mean that it's not happening. What did we say earlier? We walk by faith. Amen? Amen. We walk by faith, not by sight. This is where we run into the problems, is we can see the problem in front of us. We can see the situation so clearly, even more clearly than maybe somebody else. We can see it. The devastation, the hurt. But we don't walk by that. We walk by what we know by what's in our heart, by the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from a cross for me. For me. Let's go back to Mark 16, verse 7. He says, But go tell his disciples and Peter. I love that. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as He told you, just as he told you. Man. Go tell his disciples and Peter. I used to think the resurrection was God's explanation point. It's finished. I don't see it that way at all anymore. No, I don't see it that way. I see the resurrection. I'm going to have to explain this because you're not going to understand. I see it as three dots dot 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 it's not finished yet it's not over your story damon is not finished writing it's in the process the gospel is being wrote through your life it's not over and we need to see that we need to understand i see it as dot 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 3 days 3 dots It's not an ending. It's a beginning. It's a beginning. And this is what Mark was saying when he ended it there. He ended it there with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. And he stopped. He stopped writing right there. Fear and trembling. Fear always comes before faith. We look at this story, and having read so much of Mark's writing, we know he is not big on the details, but this is crazy. It can't end this way, and it doesn't. Maybe our lives write the ending. They had to process all this information of the crucifixion, and you can't get your head around it. Don't tell me you can, because I can't. It was more than humanly possible to see someone crucified this way. Especially someone you loved. Especially you thought was the hope, was the king of the world. You thought it was gonna save the situation you were in immediately. And now he's dead. They had to remember the things that Jesus had, had told them. To remember the angel was telling them that. We have to remember what we've learned and that we're learning through these stories and the stories of our lives. We have a gospel story to tell, and it's not over. The tests and trials are not over, people. If you think you've finally arrived and now everything's going to be easy, Andy, you're kidding yourself. It's not over. Hard times. And the body of Christ to hold you and to help carry you. You go down, brother. I'll come over. I'll pack that wood. I'll pack it. We take care of each other. That's what the body of Christ is to do because the hard times are not going to be over. It's, oh, everything's fine now. I'm on Easy Street. I got my house. It's paid for. Everything's good. And all of a sudden you get a bad doctor report. How good is it then? When we have Jesus, it's fine. Take the report on. Fine. Jesus said, I am healed. Already, by his stripes, I was healed. Then I die. No, I didn't. Just because I'm not here in front of you doesn't mean I'm dead. I'm living with the Father in heaven, dancing on streets of gold. Oh, you only wishing you could be there with me. And you will. You will. It's a celebration of life. He conquered death, hell and the grave. We don't have to experience it. We don't have to go there. Oh, we're going to die unless Jesus comes and takes us, raptures the church. I'm ready. Father, you can come today. <coughs> Are y'all ready? I'm ready. Come today. To see the way the world's gone. I wish you'd come today. But if he doesn't our gospel story is still being wrote. And guess whose job it is to tell your story? It's you. To your kids. To your grandkids. To the neighbor's kids. you got to start telling your story of what God is doing. What he's already done. Because life is full of misery. It's full of trouble. But what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Except you. Mark 5 21, when Jesus was, had crossed over the boat to the other side, there was a large crowd gathered. And there was one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus. Remember him? He had a daughter who was sick. I'm just going to paraphrase, it's not up there. He had a daughter who was sick. Can you come, Jesus? Can you come heal my daughter? If you put your hands on her, I know that she will live. He says, Sure. I'll come, and he's going along, and there's so many people gathered around him, they're pushing and pulling, and everything's moving. They're, they're moving through the streets. Incredible crowd. <coughs> this woman with the issue of blood, you remember her? Had seen doctors for all those years. Had spent all her money. She was considered unclean. She, could, she knew that Jesus could heal her, but how is she going to get to Jesus? She crawled through the crowd, she pushed her way and crawled through the crowd. And she knew, she knew if I could just touch, just touch the hem of his garment, i would be healed. And she reaches and she touches the hem of his garment. And immediately Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples going, are you crazy, bro? What do you mean who touched you? We're being pushed and pulled by all these people. He said, no, no, somebody touched me. It was faith. Somebody touched me. And then she falls down at his feet in fear and trembling. Read your Bibles. And she said, Master, it was I. Fear always comes before faith. She said, it was I. I I touched you. And he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Go. Enjoy your healing. What about Jairus' daughter? Oh, then they came and they said, Oh, Jesus, don't worry, she died. She died. Jairus is right there with Jesus. He starts to break up and he says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. She's not dead. Oh, yeah, she's dead. We all know. They're all back at the house mourning and carrying on. And he said, Let's go. And he took his disciples. John... James, and another one. I don't remember now. I'd have to get the story up. Was it Peter? He took those three. Yeah, it was. He took those three along with and He got there in front of the house, and they all started saying, oh, she's dead, she's dead, and they're carrying on and crying and going crazy. And he just looks at them and goes, she's not dead, she's only asleep. They laughed at him, and they began to mock him. So what did he do? He chased them all out mom dad you three come on with me and he chased him out of the house and he walked in and he walked up to the little girl he said come here sweetheart get up get up and she did she got up faith came after the fear we have to recognize it we have to see and realize you know just because you have fear doesn't mean God's not going to show up on your behalf. In fact, He's going to show up in your behalf because of your fear. He's going to show up. But see, we got it all turned around. We think, well, if, we don't, if, we, if we're afraid, then God's not going to help me because I'm afraid. Oh, shut up. <laughs> he is ready to come walk beside you and love you because He knows we're just human beings. He knows we can't handle it. And He'll walk beside you. It's so incredible what he has done. Mark 4, 38 through 40, Jesus was in the stern. I don't think I put that on the screen either. He was in the boat, sleeping, down in the bottom. And it was a great storm. You realize these yahoos that he was with, most of them were fishermen. Most of them had endured incredible storms. Man, I got another whole hour to go. You guys need to relax. I see you looking at me, going, I'm looking at the clock, going, I got all kinds of time. They, they look at it, the they, storm comes up. Jesus is in the bottom of the boat, just rocking and sleeping. And they, they get all upset and they came down. Lord, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care? You ever felt that way? If you shake your head no, you're lying to me. We'll cast out those lying devils here in just a minute. Oh, is this that kind of church? Could be. Keep lying to me. We've all been there. I pray that you guys as a young family never, never have to encounter... These incredible, horrific pains of sickness or disease in your family. I pray, I, I pray, covering over you that it'll never come. You got the prettiest babies I've ever seen, and they're like my own. But life doesn't always see it that way, it doesn't always see it that way. And it puts us in that ship. And it's rocking, and the waves are coming over, and it's rolling in. You see the water filling up, and you wonder, how could Jesus be sleeping down there? He's got water in his bed, and he's sound asleep, because he wasn't worried a bit. I think I have wrote down here what he said. Teacher, don't you care that we're going down? would you call that Fear? So you think Jesus is going to show up at that kind of fear? Yeah. I was there with that kind of fear the day I lost my 18-year-old grandson to osteosarcoma cancer. I was there. I was in that sinking boat. I remember thinking in my mind, God, if you take him, take me too. You guys remember those days? Take me too. Now I got a plan for you, George. And this one's mine. Man, it's coming and we got to be ready. We have to have this inside of us. He got up He rebuked the wind. He rebuked the waves. Quiet! Be still! The wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still have no faith? Yes Lord, I still have no faith. Lord. Yes, Father, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Do you remember those statements of a father with a child? Don't you think for a minute because of your unbelief that this Father in heaven's going to leave you cuz he ain't. Is ain't appropriate word. Thank you. He ain't gonna leave you he's not gonna leave you (laughs) it doesn't mean there isn't pain that's what life is it's a wonderful it's a glorious pain a wonderful glorious i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world But it comes with a lot of pain. And Jesus knew that when he was hanging on the cross. Joseph knew it. He knew it. And he died for you and for me so that we can make it through that pain. So we have the confidence, no matter how my gospel ends, it ends with him. Right there. You don't want to take me, Lord, take me. I'm ready. You want me to stay? You got more work for me to do? All right, Lord, I'm ready. Let's go do it, Jim. Let's go back to the prison. Let's get some more of those guys saved. Because he died on the cross for them. That's why you go. Isn't that right, Rod? That's why we go. He died for them. Yes. And when he asked, you go. All right. Actually, Andy was awake. I just wanted to touch him. You know, yeah. Sometimes I do that when I see him sleeping. I'll walk by and touch him. Just (laughs) fear always shows up before faith. Satan is going to do all he can to derail your faith. Because Satan will tell you that if I can derail your faith and get you locked up in fear that Jesus won't come. That's what he'll tell you. I'm telling you that's a lie from the pit of hell. You ain't going to have that kind of faith. We got to hang on to Jesus. We got to hang on to his coattails, man. We got to hang on. He can try to convince you that God will ignore you and leave you because you're living in fear. And maybe it's a broken heart that caused you to fear in the first place. He won't leave you. He won't ever leave you just because of fear. Because he knows you. He knows what scares me. He does. And I get scared quite often. That's why I carry a big gun. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) My precious wife, she sees my insecurities, and my fears probably more than anybody. But she has more confidence of he who is in me than in me. She knows. He'll carry you through. He's got your back. She'll always tell me that he's got your back. You can fear if you want to. I love you. She has things that scare her too, trust me, little things like anxiety, things we don't like to talk about, fear. And that's when my job is to pick up and grab her by the hand and say, he ain't leaving you and neither am I. You can be grumpy and all anxiety up all you want, I'm still going to love you. Sean, would you come? you look so comfortable back there, I wasn't going to bother you. I I mean, I could go till noon, but no, I couldn't. I'm not that good. I couldn't. I've I've run out of material. Can I be honest? When I run out of material, I start getting fear. (laughs) What am I going to say next? Don't know. I ain't got nothing on the notes. Let's worship one more time. And I will stay here and invite you to come and ask me for prayer. If there's anything going on in your life, I know most of you, and I know that you're born again Christians, believers, and the Son of God. But maybe you got something that's just really bugging you, creating some of that fear. During this time, let's use that time. It's not... Yeah, we want to sing and get ready to leave, but let's use the time. Come and allow me to pray for you, okay? Let's all stand together.